The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, elder law and special needs attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back, everyone, to Answers for Elders Radio Network. And we are here with Jim Taylor, elder law attorney on admission into assisted living, skilled nursing, et cetera, et cetera, types of facilities. And there's all kinds of paperwork that we sign. And obviously, we oftentimes don't even know what we're signing, but we're getting hugely, at least my eyes are being open on all kinds of things that I didn't even know. So anyway, Jim, uh, this is uh, segment four. It's it's amazing. This hour has flown by for me because I, it's just, I'm like, <laughs> well, I hit, I've hit you where you've had experience. My face. Yeah. I, I've hit you where you've had experience. So yeah, oh, yeah, it's ugly. Huge. Huge. Yep. Okay, so we've talked about admission agreements or residency agreements or, you know, whatever that nursing home or assisted mm-hmm. living wants to call them. And I want to jump from there into threats to discharge a loved one. Okay, now, these rules that I'm describing here are under Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So if, we're, if you're talking to a nursing home or assisted living, and there's very few nursing homes, but there are some, that don't take Medicare or Medicaid, they're not subject to these rules. Okay. There's lots of assisted livings that don't take Medicare or Medicaid. And I think the, with every new construction, that's a new one that probably doesn't, or at least is going to try not to. But after a while, they end up having to cave in and take Medicaid. Mm-hmm. But you got to check. Okay. Right. Even if your loved one is not on Medicare or Medicaid, I, these rules still apply as I interpret, as, as I read the rules. Okay. So uh, if they're private pay, well, if they're private pay, they're probably not apt to be discharged anyway, because that's that's the high level of payment that nursing homes and assisted livings like. Uh, but if there's some problem along the way, some of these apply. Okay, even uh, even to a loved one, private pay. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the nursing home or assisted living wants to discharge or evict or whatever you want to call it your loved one, their resident from from the nursing home or assisted living. Since this is a pseudo medical situation, we tend to use the the word discharge rather than evict. Okay, okay. although in assisted livings, they frequently call themselves leases, call their documents leases, so eviction would apply. But if they take Medicare or Medicaid, these rules should still apply. Okay, so um, the resident who is who the nursing home or assisted living wants to evict. Uh, or wants to discharge, must receive 30 days advance notice. Now, I've seen this get very squirrely. So you want to be careful when, and let's go all the way back to the beginning, in choosing a mailing address for your loved one. You want to have have their mail come to the house in addition Mm -hmm. to whatever they get at the nursing home. Because I've heard of discharge notices. I actually had this happen to a client, but fortunately, the, the family visited the the uh, nursing home left a discharge notice on the nightstand for a client who was asleep most of the day, but they got service because it was left on the nightstand. Fortunately, we found it before the 30 days was up. Okay. Now that 30 days notice requirement does not apply if the resident's health has improved and they no longer need to be there. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, we're not going to keep you here if you don't need our services because now you know we we can't charge you for all that or you really ought to be moved out. So if the resident's health has improved, you don't need a 30-day notice. 
if the resident hasn't been there 30 days yet, then 30 day notice isn't required. If there's a health or safety emergency to anyone in the facility, anyone in the facility, okay? So not just this resident. This is often the trigger for uh, a resident who um, improperly touches others or threatens others. And the 30 day notice is not required for that. And I had, I, I didn't have a client. I actually had a ward. I'm a volunteer guardian. I'm not a professional guardian. I'm a volunteer guardian in my county, Summit County in Ohio. And one of my wards um, had traumatic brain injury in his 20s, but was built like an ox. Um, and when he wasn't allowed to smoke on his birthday, because this place took away smoking privileges if you misbehaved, and with traumatic brain injury, he really had very little impulse control. He lost his, he, he just lost his, his, his cool. Um, and really did a lot of damage to a nurse's station, which was right where, right near where they go out to smoke. Um, and he was immediately discharged, uh, sent to a psychiatric place. Um, and I, I couldn't really say that they needed to have 30 days notice because no. that was appropriate. Okay. I did use a, uh, I did appeal, and we'll talk about appeals, I think, in my future slides. Um, but um, we, uh, he, he had to be discharged. Yeah. And then, uh, so, you know, some health or safety emergency to someone else and improper touching is the big one. Um, because, you know, people with dementia have lost their boundaries. Um, or there's a medical emergency for the resident, which means they're going to the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Um, and e but even if there isn't a 30-day notice requirement, they must give notice as early as practical. So there, the notice requirement does not go away. It simply is not 30 days long. Okay. Okay. Um, so the notice of the, the, of the intent to discharge, the 30-day or whatever advance notice there is, has to contain why you're being discharged. Most often I see it in my world because Medicaid hasn't come through and the nursing home wants to get paid and they want to blame somebody or frankly, I think this is a trying to get uh, put a scare into the family where they'll just private pay for a while like you had to do. Okay. Um, private pay for the time that Medicaid should have been covering, but, but isn't so, but that's a reason proposed discharge. In fact, I have a discharge hearing for failure to pay because Medicaid improperly denied an approval and that hearing is three days from now. Um, not my first rodeo with these guys, okay? I do enough of these in Ohio that the woman who takes them in knows me by name. Where I was actually talking with a, a friend of mine who was studying for the certified auto law attorney exam and asked, hey, what, you know, what do you think? Just, oh, it was great to learn about things I've never had to do, like a, a discharge. Said, You've never done a discharge? I was stunned. She's been doing auto law for years and never done a discharge. Wow. And I, I don't think I've gone a year without at least one. Yeah. Um, so uh, just so the lady at Department of Health in Ohio that, that collects these knows me by name. That's not a good sign. I shouldn't have to do that many. It the notice has to include a proposed date of discharge. When is it going to happen? Yeah. It has to propose a new care facility. Where are we going to send you? Okay. Mm -hmm. It might be home. Yes, it might be home. And we'll talk about that later. Okay, but the proposed new care facility may not be the one, let's assume the discharge actually goes through. It may not be the one that actually 
is where she, the, the loved one is going because in the 30 days, that place may fill up or may say, we don't want that resident. Sure. Okay. But they have to have some proposal. Okay. And I had one of these one time where all they did was, was call around and say, who, do you have an opening? Yes. So they put that one down um, in the proposal or in the, in the notice of discharge. Okay. Uh, it has to explain that there's a right to a hearing and how do you request it? And it has to have contact information for the long-term care ombudsman's office. That's the, the office that is supposed to be looking out for the resident, at least yes. in Ohio. And, and I'm sorry, and you can never get the ombudsman's one. office, but it tends to be one that tries to keep the peace between the nursing home and the resident. If you ever get through resident. to that. Here in Washington State, I remember reaching out because I had the ombudsman um, number. I called. All I got was a voicemail. I left a message. And um, it was like seven weeks before I got a call back. That's a shame, but that is a, that is a staffing issue, and we see it frequently. In preparing to discharge, now this is the nursing home or the assisted living's obligations, in preparing to discharge, mm -hmm. then uh, the place they choose must be able to meet the care needs. That's a big one about sending them home, okay? Home probably, or, or to, to a daughter's home. Home probably cannot meet the care needs. However, in practice, what I have seen, now this may be Ohio specific, but given the threat of discharge to your place, I'm not sure it's Ohio specific. At least in my practice, the anyone opposing the discharge has to say that place is not appropriate. Otherwise, the hearing officer assumes that whatever's on the discharge notice is appropriate, even if it's complete. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the new place must agree to take the person. And that, again, that, that, that agreement is not necessary at the time of the notice of discharge because that may be a 30-day lead time. It is required at the time of the actual discharge. And then the place that is moving the loved one out must ensure that the move is safe and orderly. They must arrange transportation, must arrange for all the stuff to go, that sort of thing. Okay, but by that wow. time, the, the, the discharge is a fait accompli, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but you can make sure that they can't say, oh, well, you have to take your loved one. No, that's not a safe discharge. They yeah. have to make arrangements. Interesting, interesting. Um, and so obviously, if somebody gets a notice like this, um, to me, it's like, if, if you call the ombudsman, Will the ombudsman give you this information um, that you're giving us today? Usually, I know that that's always they should, a... but I don't know because you got to remember, you're talking to one person at an ombudsman's yeah. office. I'm not sure how much each of the ombudsman representatives really knows. Right, that's my question. And and the other thing, um, I know here in Washington State, we have things, um, organizations that are nonprofits like Sound Generations or Senior Services or things like that. Um, up here in Snohomish County, we have what's called Homage, and they do they help seniors with, um, you know, discharge planning, with qualifying for Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. Obviously, there might be a resource there, but it obviously depends on what you're doing. Yeah obviously right. right yeah and you should reach out to your area agencies on aging mm -hmm. should reach out to your county uh departments of aging or your city department of aging or whatever is appropriate mm -hmm. um and uh but 
Some of them don't deal with discharges. They do an awful lot with planning and trying to stay home, but discharges are a different animal. Sure, sure. And so, Jim, we're going to be back right after this. State of Ohio residents, you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets. You can reach Jim at www.protectingseniors.com or just email him at j-k-o-e-w-l-e-r-a-f-e that's j-k-a-l-e-r-a-f-e at protectingseniors.com Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.